Welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Stevie Wonder Classics. And in a special edition, we're going to have a crossover here with the podcast We Cut Heads, which is all about Spike Lee. And that is the subject of today's song, which is Jungle Fever from the album, music from the original motion picture, Jungle Fever. Released on the 28th of May, 1991. On the track is Stevie Wonder plus a lot of other people. Uh, starting at the top with Boys to Men, but then including a number of different people, which I'm not going to list off because there's at least 20 or so of them. Uh, on drums, we have Stevie Wonder along with uh, Baba, I'm going to say Olatuji, uh, Earl D. Rowan, Lenny Castro, Myungo Jackson, and Sariki Adepoju. Um, that's just a lot of drum stuff on here. And the weird thing is it feels like there's just one kind of like programmed drum and that's it. The track is 4 minutes 57 and joining me to talk about today is Spencer Seams. Hello, Spencer. Hello, Darren. I am using this episode as an introduction to the fact that I am returning to Prince Track by Track, but not to talk about Prince, but rather to talk about someone that Prince worked with once. And that was Stevie Wonder. Um, although both of them have had kind of covered each other's songs uh, live over the years and they had kind of performed together a couple of times live. Um, I think there was like a couple of concerts where where Prince came out and played guitar on So What the First Live. Um, and, you know, Stevie Wonder, he had this run in the 70s going from roughly 1971 through to 1976, where he basically put out a bunch of classic albums. Um, you know, uh, three, I think, out of the, the kind of the final three won Grammy of the year in 1973, 1974, and 1976. Um, and, you know, it's kind of undisputed at, at kind of how great Stevie Wonder was during this period. Um, and then during the 80s, he kind of fell off a cliff and things were less great. Um, and then, I, I mean, Jungle Fever was a kind of, an interesting choice for him to make, you know, kind of like collaborating with Spike Lee, him kind of contributing to the whole soundtrack to like this Spike Lee film is kind of an interesting thing. Obviously, Prince did this later on for Girl 6 as well. So that's, you know, kind of an interesting parallel between the two of them. Um, you know, the the output that, that Stevie put, put out, you know, you know, where I'm coming from, music in my mind, you know, all the way through to songs in the key of life. I think kind of matches Prince's first few albums. You know, his first two albums were a little underrated, like Stevie's first two albums were in this run. And then he had this kind of run of four classic albums, one after the other. Um, both him and Prince were roughly the same age as well. Stevie was about was like 20 when he started this run of albums, and that was how old Prince was when his first album came out. And by the time they finished this classic run, which I think for Prince you could kind of argue finishes with Purple Rain, and for Stevie finishes with Songs in the Key of Life, both of them were like 25 and they both took a year off before they released kind of the final album in their kind of classic runs. Um, you know, I think people would say probably the Prince is, a, is not quite as on the same level as Stevie's, um, you know, but I would say that they're probably kind of roughly in the same ballpark. Um, and so I'm going to talk about all of those. But before I do that, I thought it'd be nice to have a crossover with another podcast um, that is specifically talking about. Uh, the subject of this song, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, the Spike Lee film Jungle Fever. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the film in a huge amount of depth, although I would say that covering the lyrics to this, we're going to have to kind of talk <laughs> about the film a little bit because um, Stevie is kind of pulling a prince during, um, you know, well, either Bat Dance or Girl 6, where mm -hmm. he's using a title track to describe the overall plot of the film. I would say in Bat Dance, it's not quite it's not quite describing the plot of the film but he has the kind of the interactions with the different characters and here we have we have a chorus 
um, that's kind of telling us the, the basic gist of the plot, uh, as seen on the poster by the interlocking fingers um, of, I'm going to assume they're meant to be Wesley Snipes and Annabella Sciura, but I'm guessing that they didn't turn up one day and interlock their fingers and have a bunch of pictures taken. Um, and so, you know, we have we have kind of the basic premise of, you know, uh, Italian girl goes out with African-American in New York. That's the basic plot. And, you know, it is summed up by the title Jungle Fever. And which I think these days, I don't know that Spike would be able to get away with calling <laughs> a film Jungle Fever. Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, I think just because it's been around for like, you know, almost 30 years, we're just kind of used to hearing like that as the title of a Spike Lee film. Um, but in the in the kind of chorus of the film, you know, we get the refrain that puts out the basic premise of the film, which is she's gone black boy crazy. I've gone white girl hazy. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we've got jungle fever. We're in love. Like that's, that's the, the kind of the basic premise of the film. And then throughout the verses, we'll talk about, you know, more and more about how, um, you know, we kind of get into the plot um, through Stevie's singing. Um, but you know, what are just your general thoughts, um, kind of less about the film, but just more about Stevie's kind of soundtrack and his kind of contribution to this. And in particular, this song, um, I really like the movie and I really like the, the, the music in particular, cause like the music, it, like it, it's, it's almost like the, the literal thing of like the, the, the songs are explaining what's happening on screen a little bit, but it's not that, uh, sorry, but not to that level. But like uh, I don't know. Like in general, I like Stevie Wonder. I mean, because who doesn't? But uh, you know, it's it's real catchy. It's like I didn't realize how big of a deal the soundtrack was until like I saw randomly was like listening to it on on YouTube, and I came across an episode of Fresh Prince where Carlton is singing Jungle Fever. And so like I didn't know like like cause Spike movies certainly aren't big money makers. So I figure like okay, this was must been like you know, a, a moderate hit, but it must have meant some, at least musically, meant something, because if Carlton on Fresh Prince is singing it, then it must, you know, it must have, like, been been kind of a, a big deal on some level. Uh, you know, obviously did um, pretty much the entire soundtrack, um, and I think it, it, I mean, I think it charted okay, um, I think it was like a number one album, I think it was, it was Stevie Wonder's first, like, number one album, you know, in almost a decade, um, uh, I think Hot Than July was a number one album, um, you know, and, and the funny thing is, after Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder has only released five studio albums mm. bearing in mind he released five studio albums before songs in the key of life just in the 70s so his output has slowed down a lot um and obviously you know stevie wonder's journey through the secret life of plants is kind of like the first album that he released after songs in the key of life and that kind of puzzled everybody because <laughs> nobody quite understood what he was doing there um and effectively that's kind of like a soundtrack to like a documentary um, and then the next kind of big album that he did that was a soundtrack was for the film Woman in Red, um, you know, which is about um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Gene Wilder being a complete and total creep. Um, and, you know, the kind of the, the biggest hit from that was I Just Called to Say I Love You, which was like a number one international hit and won an Academy Award. And <laughs> was just like this kind of a really big deal. But like, you know, you, you know, like. Jungle Fever, like you say, you know, the film was, I think, like moderately successful for um, uh, for Spike Lee. I think it ended up making back like triple its budget, which is, you know, 
uh, kind of really good. Um, you know, Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson got nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Gator. You know, yeah. which again, kind of, you know, it's it's kind of remarkable, like how kind of you know in kind of it managed to be in the the kind of like public consciousness and the song jungle fever wasn't released as a single or anything oh. um you know it, yeah which is kind of weird but i think it did get quite a bit of radio play just because it was like the title track um you know the, there were a couple of other songs that were released from the album that were like singles uh which was gotta have you and um fun day and these three words, those were the singles from the <laughs> album, but not the title track. And yet, obviously, the title track um, is kind of the most memorable, I would say, from that entire album. Um, just because oh, yeah. it does contain, you know, the premise of the film, um, you know, which, uh, you know, I, I kind of love as well in the verses where, you know, Stevie, he kind of says, you know, she can't love me. I can't love her because, because they say we're the wrong cutler. <laughs> and I, I love how he gets colors around with her. It's such a wonderful thing. Um, and then this whole kind of like staring, gloating, laughing, looking like we've done something wrong. And it's like, oh, like, you know, obviously, if we think about the 90s, we don't think of them as being a time when, like, I don't know, anti-miscegenation was still like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, within, I think one of the things, if I remember rightly from the film, one of the thing, one of the kind of things that people kind of object to with Wesley Snipes' character is that he's choosing to not date, um, you know, black women. And that's like kind of a, you know, an issue with, um, you know, the black community is like, yeah. you know, black men deliberately not dating black women and you know, not dating the sisters, I think is how it's phrased in the film. But obviously with me saying that, it sounds, you know, kind of, a little bit weird. Yeah, and there's, um, there's a whole scene of like the, the women talking about like uh, you know the, they they go for you know uh, black men go for white women now, and like the you know and the one saying that it's light skin and it all gets a whole thing of like colorism of like well like you're light skin you're more attractive than you know than other women so it's like it's you know it, it gets pretty, kind of complex with uh you know with that stuff. So I mean I I, I think kind of like. You know, like then, like as a couple, they obviously then encounter discrimination from, you know, both sides, <laughs> like both, uh, you know, the Italians are kind of like um, not happy with it. Um, you know, obviously, Annabella Sciorra is like brothers and, and family aren't happy with it. And then also, you know, um, Flipper, which is just the most ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Wesley Snipes plays a character called Flipper. I think the worst Spike Lee name is a Q-Tip and She Hate Me is... Vader, uh, Huff. <laughs> oh dear, Spike, please, <laughs> like, give these names a second thing. Um, yeah, so Flipper Purify, like, his family aren't happy. Um, uh, you know, like, uh, his parents in particular. Uh, I don't think in this film Samuel Jackson's character is that bothered about the relationship. I think he's more concerned about where he can get some more drugs yeah. and where he can get money for some more drugs. That's his main kind of concern in the film. Yeah, um, no. But, like, for everybody else, the relationship is, like, the main concern, um, you know. And and so, I, I don't know, I, 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 I like that this song just kind of, you know, the fact that he says, you know, um, calling us names too bad to mention. So I like that as well, like... You know, there's obviously something going on in the film where they're going to be called some names, but Stevie Wonder's not going to bring that into the song. He's he's like <laughs> too bad to mention. Um, but we pay them no attention for colorblind our inner feelings. Uh, if we feel happiness and our love knows best, forget their mess. Uh, which I love the way he sings that as well. 
Um, you know, it's like kind of a fun kind of syncopation the way he sings those lines. Um, but yeah, so like the kind of the basic premise of the film is in the chorus, but then in these verses, he's kind of laying out the difficulty of the the relationships. Um, and I think, you know, it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know that it gives the ins and outs of the film, but it certainly puts out there some of the kind of themes that are in the film. Um, you know, particularly when he says in the second verse, everyone's created equal. Hell with all you ignorant people <laughs> trying to stereotype us. You really ought to quit. You don't know Jack. You make us sick. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just, a, I, I kind of, I'm always a fan of like, um, you know, I guess it's, this is kind of almost like a bit of a Romeo and Juliet thing, except, you know, the families involved don't have like a lifelong feud or anything. It's just the fact that they're different races. So yeah, it's, it's based off of like a real uh, event. I can't remember the exact thing, but it's based off a real thing. And it also ruined Spike's relationship with his father because his dad, after his mom died in the 70s, married a white woman maybe like a year after that. And his dad assumed it was criticizing him. And so they kind of uh, got very distant after after this came out. Okay. I mean, I would hope that his dad at the very least enjoyed the soundtrack, though. Um, uh, his dad used to, his dad did his soundtracks before that, and then uh, yeah, this yeah. was kind of the last time Bill Lee ever did a soundtrack for his son. So obviously not a fan of the uh, <laughs> the subject matter. Um, although <laughs> no. you know, like I mean, I guess the thing is, I mean, I don't know when um, Spike's mother died, but I would guess that you know, even if even if it was like in the eighties, um, you know, the kind of even as depicted in this film, like marrying another someone from a different race is obviously going to cause problems anyway. So, you know, I can imagine that um, Bill Lee faced his own issues as well, um, which I think it would make him relate to the, you know, what's going on in the film. But, you know, uh, the, the um, whole saga of Spike and his dad is complex and that, <laughs> there's not enough time to get into it. <laughs> No. Um, and I like as well this, uh, you know, get off my jock, you're trying to ride me because I got my girl beside <laughs> me. Uh, you'll only make yourself look stupid. I, lo- I love you're trying to diss because we've got happiness. I bet you're pissed. Um, and then, of course, we get the chorus. Uh, and I'd like, you know, I the chorus is kind of the most of the film, you know, just uh, most of the film. The chorus is most of the song, you know, just the repetition of, you know, I've got jungle fever, she's got jungle fever, we've got jungle fever, we're in love. Um, she's gone black boy crazy, I've gone white girl hazy. Uh, ain't no thinking maybe we're in love. Um, and, you know, just kind of then the, the reverse of the white girl crazy, black boy hazy. Uh, we're each other's babies, we're in love. So that's kind of the the rest of the song is basically the chorus. And then there's this kind of weird little drum fill thing uh, where someone says, hit me drummer. Um, And, you know, that's kind of the song. And, you know, what I love about this song, um, you know, the album was seen by a lot of people as a bit of a return to form for Stevie Wonder and, you know, kind of gave people hope that he might have, you know, a few more kind of classic albums in him. Um, but then, you know, he didn't release an album for, for I don't know, <laughs> a number of years after this. Um, I think uh, Conversation Piece was the next album, and that was like 1995. So it's like a four-year gap until his next, like, kind of proper album. Um, and, and then, you know, like, from Conversation Piece until today, he's only released, like, one more album. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it, it's weird that there's like a four year gap until the next album. And that was seen as like a long kind of period of time. Um, but then, you know, after that, it was a decade to the next album. And then 
he hasn't released anything since 2005, since A Time to Love, uh, which, like I say, that's the album that he he kind of worked on a track with Prince. Um, and of course, Prince also did Girl Six for Spike. So, um, you know, the, it's kind of interesting that those two artists kind of did these these albums, although Prince only actually contributed two original songs to that soundtrack. <laughs> uh, the rest of it was stuff out the vault. Uh, whereas obviously Stevie Wonder went, you know, he really went to the trouble of putting, you know, together a full soundtrack. Um, you know, this is like, this is like a full album worth of material. There's like 11 songs, um, you know, all written by, uh, Stevie, um, you know, and that's kind of remarkable that, you know, that he put that much kind of effort in, um, you know, Prince only did nine songs for the Batman soundtrack. So, (laughs) um, you know, when Stevie gives you a soundtrack, he really puts the effort in. Um, and I, you know, I really like this song. It's so kind of catchy. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the production. Like, I think it's a bit too kind of like, it's mostly reliable on kind of like this synth sound that I'm not a huge fan of from this time period, like this 90s synth. It doesn't sound as good as the 70s synths. Um, and, you know, I feel like the kind of the gigantic choir of like 20 people singing backing vocals really kind of, I don't know, just diffuses it a little bit. And the weirdest thing is that Stevie has like boys to men just singing backing vocals in here. And, um, and this is not, this is not like boys to men before they were big either. This is boys to men after they've had a number one hit with end of the road. And, you know, they're just coming in to be Stevie's backing vocalist, um, you know, which is not unheard of, you know, Stevie had the Jackson five, just do backing vocals for him one time. So Stevie wonder, you know, uh, uh, gives you offer like, Hey, want to do backing vocals. Uh, who would say no? Yeah, and and most people never did say no. That's the thing. There's so many people who kind of just did backing vocals for Stevie Wonder over the years. Um, you know, even when Prince performed with him, he didn't write anything on the song. Like literally, he came on and he just recorded a guitar part for So What the First. He was basically a session musician for Stevie Wonder, just playing guitar. Um, so you know, and on that song uh, on Vogue, we're doing backing vocals. You know, <laughs> that's 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 the power of Stevie Wonder. You know, he's kind of like so well respected by you know, musicians that they'll just come in and, you know, just do backing vocals for him. But yeah, I mean, other than the kind of synthesizer sound, I really like the song, you know, I don't think it's a kind of as good as anything from the seventies that he did, but I think it's still like a fun kind of thing. And, you know, there's a few other good songs on the rest of the album as well, but you know, most of them are kind of ballads and stuff. And like you say, they kind of describe the plot of the film like quite closely. And so, (laughs) so it's kind of a weird album to listen to without like, watching the film um but yeah for, i mean for me i would say this is probably no higher than like a four out of five you know it's an okay return to form um but you know as i'm about to spend the next 60 something episodes talking about his classic period those songs are so many of them are, are, are five out of five like undisputed it, it's you know there's no way that this is kind of in the same league as those yeah um i'd go maybe three and a half out of five three uh, it's a little too repetitive in the production like i'm not the biggest fan of like the 90s synthy r&b sound in general and this is you know kind of like the sound like it's not it's not like as uh as uh, annoying as some it can be to me but like it's it's still kind of getting there but it's so catchy that you can't help but you can't help to like it at least a little bit yeah and also like (laughs) like just from the kind of repetition of the chorus you get a very clear picture of what the film is about. Like you only need to hear this song and you're like, Oh, I get what the film is about now. Like, even if you were unsure of what the, 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 the title jungle fever was meant to mean, 
which I feel like most people would pick up on that anyway. But, you know, this really hammers home what jungle fever is <laughs> and kind of makes it kind of clear, um, you know, that this this is it. Um, you know, and this album was fairly well reviewed as well. You know, like uh, it got some of his best reviews since like Hotter Than July. So pretty much everything in the 80s, you know, was kind of on a lesser level than this. And that's why people saw it as a return to form. And they were kind of excited to see what his next like proper album would be. Um, and like I say, after this, he only released like two more albums. And that's kind of crazy that like since 1991, I mean, you know, how many films has Spike Lee done since 1991? You know, how many albums did Prince do after 1991? Like he did at least one a year from 1991 onwards. Um, so it's kind of crazy that Stevie Wonder, who was so prolific, you know, from you know age like 11 through to 25, um, is then taking like years between albums. Um, you know, and then I would say Conversation Piece is an okay album as well. And, you know, Time to Love is, again, like, neither of them are on the level of the 70s stuff. Um, and I don't think Stevie, you know, Stevie ever kind of will return to that level. I don't think it's possible. You know, he was he was in his early 20s. You know, the world was his oyster. You know, he was literally the highest paid artist in the entire world. And, you know, he was kind of at the peak of his powers, um, you know, which is something I will obviously explore in the upcoming episodes. Um, as I talk about all of his classic uh, songs from that period. Uh, is there anything else that you need to say about Jungle Fever? The song, not the fever? Um, the song, uh, uh, Joel messaged me, he said, it's a bad song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Joel's my co-host of uh, uh, Week Ahead's Expect Lee podcast, which uh, you can find um, on Spotify, uh, Podbean, and other places. And Darren was just on the episode on uh, 25th Hour. Uh, yeah, so you can find us on Twitter. We Our first season was called High and Low, the Curacao podcast. You can search for that, but that's all. That's just a link to our current um, uh, season on Twitter. So, yeah, and we're on Facebook and other places. And for this project, you can find us on Twitter at Stevie by Wonder. Um, and of course, you know, do listen to the recent appearance that I made on We Cut Heads talking about 25th Hour. Um, you know, and obviously uh, in the future, listen out for uh, a fuller discussion of the film Jungle Fever, which I'm sure will also cover the fever. <laughs> um, so thanks for being my guest here today, Spencer. Oh, you're welcome. And otherwise, goodbye.